Excuse me, Laurie. Oh, Mr. Brackett, I'm sorry, Mr. Brackett. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Welcome to your spooktacular Halloween. Oh, that's not what it's called. It's called Wild October. Chris Ketter is here with Travis Hoffman. Travis, are you ready to go down the road? I am ready to take this adventure into the spooky spooktacular (laughs) that awaits us here in Wild October. We are doing four episodes, as we mentioned. Uh, This is the first. We're doing one every single week in the month of October, leading up to a very exciting final episode that we'll tell you more about as we go along but uh, we have some titles for these next two episodes first one's called on the road and we'll explain that in just a few minutes and then we'll tell you about what's coming up in the next few weeks as well but uh, travis you know we've scoured the internet we have uh, gone to locations in the past, both of us. Uh, you've been to locations that have been haunted. I've been to locations that have been haunted in the Quincy area. We have been uh, going down the wells. And one of the things we got to bring up before we dig into all this, and it's a story that originally we were going to have a little section about and talk about it, but then it got to the point where it was much more of a bigger story than just the uh, ghostly encounters that possibly happen. It's the classic story of pulling a, a string on a sweater. You know, you start with a little string, and the next thing you're half naked. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the story of the, the... I say the story because the more and more you look into it, the more you question it. But it is a folklore centerpiece of the Quincy haunted world, I guess you could say. And that would be the old Rebel House, the tale of the old Rebel House. Many people are already familiar with it. But essentially, this was the, the tale of a house at 2nd and Vermont, where essentially a uh, girls were upstairs in this house, and uh, the, a devil-like person burst into the room. Didn't say a word, went across to a banister that had a bunch of quilts on it, knocked him off and proceeded to rearrange the quilts for some reason and then creepily exited back onto an outdoor veranda or porch which had no like stairway or anything access on the second floor um it's if you really break that down it's kind of a a weird story <laughs> like it's not overly compelling you know what i mean first of all there's some worries in this story is you know, honestly, if the devil comes to Quincy and he, he decides he's going to terrorize these two girls, it's two girls, right? Yeah, two girls. I'm sorry. So he comes in, he's like, Haha, I'm going to terrorize these girls. And then he knocks off some blankets and all of a sudden like, oh, wait, I can't do that. I have an OCD issue I have to deal with. Well, Chris, it's a well-known fact that Satan is a heavy into the interior designing world and is very particular about quilt placements. I know uh, many a time fabric stores are often demonic, uh, you'll notice. So that's why um, you'll never find more than six rows or 13 options. Um, yeah, I'm out of I'm out of the BS. Wow, yeah. you were going down the road, man. I was impressed there. Yeah, that was really good. It's, um, uh, it's one of those stories, if you really like to stop and think about it, like... These kids probably just knocked down these blankets and heck came up with some harebrained story to avoid getting punished, but which they still got punished it, either way. So Yeah, I'm sure they did. But here's the thing about this, though, is that 
when we go into this, it's just maybe just some folklore, wise tale well, yeah. story because we can only find accounts in in certain uh, in certain uh, books, right. and all right. the books are referring back to one book. But once we started digging into it and started looking at actually if there's any story legitimacy, because, you know, we have access to all these papers and this is like the 1880s time frame. Right. We look at all these papers. We can't find anything. We can't yeah. find anything. The problem is that we really authentically asked ourselves, okay, you always hear the phrase second in Vermont, but you never hear like a, a, a address. So that's what sent us down the rabbit hole of, of, well, I wonder, let's look at second in Vermont historically and see what the lay of the land was. <laughs> and that's where the rabbit hole began. Needless, yeah, to, to keep things brief, we think if if there ever was a house at Second Vermont that this actually happened at, we came to the conclusion after many hours of, of rabbit holes just the other night that it could have been 139 Vermont, actually, yeah. which would be where the Elks Lodge, the, the uh, I guess it'd be the, the southeast corner of uh, where the Elks Lodge is right now. So, right. but if you just jump across, let's see, I guess it'd be Second Street, you're going to find all kinds of excitement <laughs> that we, we discovered. Some uh, houses of ill repute. We were typing in addresses and we hit the, the mother load of just a couple of these houses that just happened to be on that block of Vermont, Second and Vermont. And we decided this is a full episode. So, we're going to circle back in the future. And do some crazy stories and really, wow, it was something else, Chris. It almost reminds you of a Dayton tablet uh, company. You know, we go into Which an episode. was across talk- the street. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we go into an episode. That was the fire episode from season one. We go into there talking about the fires. And then all of a sudden, as we're doing research on, on Dayton tablet company, all of a sudden we start getting these weird stories. Right. And then we're like, well, this needs to be an episode of its own. And this is the same case where the Rubble House was a core story that you could go with. But unfortunately, we can't find the evidence to prove that it actually happened. Yeah. But then as we're doing that research, all these other rabbit holes begin to form and all of a sudden we're like holy cow this is insane of what's happening on this street absolutely so you know we have to take that into consideration and so that is going to be an episode of its own because second in vermont especially between so on vermont street between second and third yeah. is really a place that has a vast and amazing and weird tragic and tragic history everything you could think yeah. of that's that block has such crazy things going on so it will be its own episode sometime coming up in the near future it's definitely going to be one of those unexplained episodes because there is a lot going on right. and it, it's weird you really think about it too is that how do you go from talking about ghosts and trying to find information about a ghost story and going diving into all this craziness that's happening in the street which could could say you know hey maybe the devil did visit second in vermont <laughs> because of everything that's happened after the fact that's right that's right. very crazy but we will have an episode on the rebel house so i don't think that we're uh, skipping out on that but we do have about six different areas that we want to cover in this episode we're calling it on the road for episode one of this wild october because we want to hit some uh, different areas that are in and near the quincy area and speaking of hitting the road travis the first place we're going to hit is a road we're going to talk about ghost hollow road this is one of another one of these just legendary locations in quincy that have you know most people don't even know the stories anymore it's just become this iconic folklore it's called ghost hollow road 
Of course it's haunted, Chris. And right. <laughs> even as, you know, the world has moved forward and it's really not at all creepy anymore. <laughs> if you go down to, <laughs> if you drive down Ghost Hollow Road. But located south of Quincy between 24th and I-72, this serene-looking rolling stretch road takes a traveler past well-kept homes through the farmland. Now, this this is coming from a book called Ghosts Along the Mississippi River. And it's, I'm just going to do a little reading here, all, all props to the book itself. Ghost stories about Ghost Hollow, Hollow Road have circulated for many years. People tell of a mysterious mansion that appears and disappears in the woods. Supposedly, this old house burned down years ago. Legend has it that more, a more substantial home is now located down a gravel road leading off Ghost Hollow Road in an area known as Gaza Grotto. Intruders have found pentagrams and animal carcasses inside the house, leading them to believe that Satan worship has taken place there. People who have parked outside the house say that they have found handprints on their cars after they have driven home. They also say that a strange glowing balls of green light chased their cars as they drove off. So that's that's a little bit of that is new to me if I can interject there yeah, real fast. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear some stories about that. But this next one is one I've heard of about Ghost Hollow Road. That is a female specter dressed in 19th century clothing has been seen walking down Ghost Hollow Road. In the late 20th century, a young woman who was having trouble sleeping decided to get into her car and drive down Ghost Hollow Road in search of the legendary graveyard. She had not driven far before she found what she thought was an old sign leading to a graveyard. The woman got out of her car to take a closer look. The sign was not helpful, so she returned to the car. When she opened the door, she saw a young woman in her 20s walking towards her on the other side of the road. She noticed that the woman had long blonde hair and dark circles under her eyes. The strange figure seemed to smirk as she walked by. After a few seconds, the woman realized how unlikely it would be for a woman to be walking by herself down a lonely road. When she turned around to take another look, the figure was gone. The graveyard that the driver was looking for is probably a wonderful word here that I have not nearly a clue how to pronounce. Basically, one of these stories people tell about the road itself. According to legend, the graveyard, which is very old, exudes an eerie aura with its crumbling crypts and broken tombstones. And this is the popular part right here that I think everybody knows. In the center of the graveyard is supposed, supposedly a black tomb inscribed with a single word in Latin that no one ever really seems to know what it is. <laughs> I'll add. <laughs> uh, Google Translate, hello. That's right. But they, but they don't actually say the word in Latin. It's just some word in Latin. Oh, so, okay. So let your gotcha. imagination run wild, all you Latin heads out there. Passerbys can tell what, that they are near the graveyard because they can hear the sounds of whispering and singing off in the distance. That's the story. Again, this was coming from Ghosts Along the Mississippi River by Alan Brown. Looks to be some good content in there for you you uh, ghoul heads out there. So, Chris, Ghost Hollow Road. So, I actually had a couple questions. We And we've talked about this, I think, on the regular episodes. <laughs> we are certified that we were, experts. <laughs> right. We both were uh, interviewed for... Uh, a show, I think it was an internet show called Fearnet, and uh, so that's uh, out there in the internet world somewhere. But I've looked before; I've spent time looking, uh, even yeah. the last ten years. Is there a cemetery out there? I've heard that there is a like small family crypt cemetery, not crypt, but a small family cemetery in the proximity of Ghost Hollow. It's not the one with the big black gravestone with the word in Latin or anything like that. It's very old, 
and I don't know exactly where it is along there. It's off the in the beaten path a bit. There is a actual grotto itself, like not crazy. This Gaza Grotto and what's actually there today are two completely different things. If if you follow hmm. Ghost Hollow Road to where it goes down the hill, there's a creek, and then there's a private there's a private drive. Please no trespassing. We do not encourage yes, trespassing. Please. please do not do it. But it's not a creepy graveyard or anything like that. It's just an actual like statue. I, I believe it's to to honor Mary. I think it has Catholic roots. We'll have to put a link in show notes to an actual web page about it. So it's not mysterious. Hmm. It's not some creepy thing at all. But you know, a ghost, a ghost, uh, ghost-minded people late at night could catch a catch a view of this uh, statue and imaginations run wild. So I mean, I don't know. I've heard some people claim they've seen this lady, and there may be something involved with driving up a hill and possibly the classic tome of turning off your headlights at a certain time or flashing your headlights or something like that. I mean, honestly, I think it's time to close the close the book on this ghost hollow road. I mean, it's a great story and it's always going to be folklore, but it's not really based in fact. All right. Yeah. I'm going to lean that way too, uh, with more folklore than facts on that. So let's go on to number two in our list here as we move down the road a little bit farther and actually literally we're moving down Gardner expressway a little bit for this one. That's right. As this one is uh, one that I found from, uh, of course, we've talked about Robert Turek just recently with our Road to Dairy episode, and uh, he, this is something he had on his website, too, so I started digging into it, and I thought it was pretty interesting, talking about the second Quincy Workhouse. This is located at 1239 Gardner Denver, or I did it again, Gardner Expressway, not Gardner Denver Expressway, it's Gardner Expressway, people. Uh, <laughs> I always get that one mistaken. But anyway, this place I always thought was kind of neat. It's located, I believe, right below Woodland Cemetery, which is kind of crazy to think about in its own right, and right next to Indian Mounds. So you have these two locations that are right there by this location. It's a really neat building. I'll tell you a little bit of background. It was built in 1892. It was li- it's made of limestone. The walls are two feet thick and measure 116 by 40 feet. Uh, early in Quincy's history, those convicted of crimes of disturbing the peace, public drunkenness, or uh, vagrancy, they were assessed uh, a fine. If they were unable to pay the fine, then they were sentenced to go to the workhouse. And of course, you know when you go to a workhouse, it's not like going to a club med. It is, right. it is you're working. The conditions are not good. It's not a great place to be. And uh, so obviously, it was not great conditions for him and uh, the prisoners uh, used to produce uh, macadams 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 m-a-c-a-d-a-m boy I have no idea what that is yeah Thank you, Robert. He gives us the <laughs> definition of what that is. Uh, it consists of small pieces of stone that were used to create road surfaces by mixing this material with asphalt or tar and compressing the layers. Well, that's that sounds like a doing. sufficiently terrible job to be doing. So that well <laughs> yeah, <right>. done <laughs> workhouse. That sounds horrible. Right. The prisoners created these little rocks from big rocks by breaking chunks of limestone with a sledgehammer. And uh, currently the building is owned by Jim City Armored Security. And it would Robert talked to some of these people. They said that there is a lot of activity going on in that building. Oh, wow. That's which I wasn't aware of. So, you know, again, I've been paranormal investigating for, I was thinking the, the other day, I think it's like around 13, 14 years now, maybe 15 years. And I didn't know about this building until in the last week. There's always a little place off the beaten path you don't you, you you discover it seems like in this world. Exactly. So of course we don't have any background information to know any better, but if we're gonna go to the fact or folklore aspect of this, 
I'm going to say it's got to have to be fact because the prison conditions are not good. You probably had deaths in that building. It makes sense yeah. that a place like that would be haunted. Well, you have an actual location and you have yes. some actual yeah. accounts. So that's that's a big uh, that's a big leap a lot of above a lot of folklore. So Travis, we head on to continuing down the road and this one we're going to go out to my boyhood home. Down the road. Just talk go about down, down the, road. the road. Literally. Just a little bit. Uh and we're going to uh, talk about none other than the famous Burton Cave. That's right, Chris. This again is coming from Ghost Along the Mississippi River by Alan Brown. And the story is pretty pretty synonymous if you've seen this at all anywhere else. In the 1880s, a group of young people rode out to this picturesque site with the intention of having a picnic beneath the trees overlooking Burton Cave. They had just spread a blanket out on the ground when one member of the party pointed up to Burton Cave. The others stared in horror as a black-robed figure standing in the entrance to the cave looked at them. His hands were buried in the folds of his robe. His head was covered by a hood. After a few seconds, the weird figure vanished. The watchers rushed up the hill and stood outside the mouth of the cave. The group cautiously walked in the directions of the faint glow coming from deep inside the recesses of the cave. Minutes stretched into hours as they peered into the darkness, not knowing what lay ahead of them. The dim light led to a small room in the middle of which, in the middle of which was a makeshift altar. Lying on the altar was a woman in a white dress. To all appearances, the young woman was dead. Lit candles had been placed around her head and feet. Terrified, the group quickly groped their way out of the cave. They headed straight into the sheriff's office and led him back to the cave. When they returned to the cave, they were unable to find any trace of this woman, the altar, the candles, or the sinister robe figure. This, mm. this is a little more detailed than the, the typical story. And I'm glad it is. Yeah. Have you ever been to Burton Cave? Uh, I vicariously lived through you, um, <laughs> through your YouTube channel uh, that you and uh, your your paranormal ghost hunting buddy Bobby have yes. have checked out. Maybe we should put a link to that as well. Yeah, we'll have that on our uh, a blog post. So, but I want to analyze this. First of all, did it give a date? Does it ever give a date? This again was <laughs> just like the old Rebel House, uh, the late 1880s or the 1880s in general. So I'm going to go ahead and drop the hammer on this one and say I'm straight out believing this is folklore. I totally agree. Because and I think I know where you're going, but get, go there. Yeah. The way Burton Cave is set up, and you may see it on the video, and I encourage you to check it out. It's like a 15-minute video that Bobby and I did. We investigated the place uh, one, one summer evening. And if you look at the layout, so Burton Cave is up on the side of this pretty steep bluff. And when you walk out of the Burton Cave area... You walk about probably 50 feet from the mouth, and there is a pretty much vertical drop. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah, absolutely. To the creek. Absolutely. It is impossible, literally impossible, for somebody to run up that hill. So the only place that they could be sitting at is on the other side of the creek. And there are some areas, but here's the deal. Unless it's fall or winter, that is a very brushy area. It is not... I mean, it's not like it's just, you know, rocks and, and trees. I mean, there's brush. It's impossible to walk through that. You'll see that in the video when Bobby and I are just trying to get to Burton Cave because it's not easy to get to. Uh, so the concept of them seeing something from the distance that they were at would be, first of all, I, it's something I can't believe. And then secondly, going up the hill is another issue. Thirdly, you said something about groping their way out of the cave. Right, right. That cave is actually... 
very flat. And I have a friend through our other podcast that has been in the cave. Of course, it's sealed off now. You can't get into the cave. Correct. But she's been into the cave before they sealed it off. And she says that it is not what people think it is. It, it actually doesn't go back that far. It might go back like 200 feet or so, but it's all pretty much flat. There's no weird drops. There's no like hard work to get around in it. I mean, it's a very simple cave to work around. Just to give you a background quick, I've heard stories that, oh, well, you go you go 50 feet into the cave and there's a, there's a 50-foot drop. Vertical up. drop no. straight down. You'll die. That is not the case. <laughs> you know, there's another folklore story about the the coon dog who ran into Burton Cave and never was saw again until about three weeks later when he was found over by Mark Twain Cave. And they're like, oh, the caves are connected. <laughs> that can't that. happen. Oh, wow. Not happening. So, again, you hear a lot of folklore stories. And, again, this was a place where, where I grew up was about, I mean, literally, the cave opening to my doorstep was probably less than a mile. Wow. Maybe even half a mile. Uh, and I, I can't tell you how many times that we've had we've had knocks on the door in the middle of the night and it's a drunk kid that they got he got left out there <laughs> at the cave and he didn't know where to go so he came to our house and knocked on the door. Uh, that happened a lot. Uh, so you know I, I'm gonna go on the folklore story about that, but I mean you've seen the videos, right. Travis. So what do you think? It seems highly unlikely. I mean a lot can change from now into the 1880s. But, yeah, I mean, it's not somewhere that I imagine you say, hey, this is a good spot for a picnic, and then having a good sight of that cave. So there's lots of mm-hmm. questions. This sounds like a, a combination of Tom Sawyer knowledge of the stories of Tom Sawyer and Hannibal, where it's like they're, all the kids are having the picnic in Tom Sawyer in front of the cave that has that nice picturesque picnic area and you walk into it and oh it's fun tom and becky go in there this is not the same kind of cave. this is not the same kind of opening this is very different it sounds like yes so i would say folklore probably about 95 percent likely so that is a look at burton cave now we talked about more of the folklore and i think these next few are probably going to lead more into maybe something involved with these yeah so travis we're going to go to a very well-known haunted location in the quincy area and it's none other than the villa catherine right there's few buildings as synonymous with quincy i mean we've used it for part of our show art and things we do it's so significant the architecture the man behind the villa catherine will be talking about in a future episode george metz it's interesting this this story is less about a person or being the haunting subject but as most people know george metz uh, was kind of a bachelor for life his one consistent companion for a good chunk while he was living in the villa catherine was this massive mastiff dog some say weighed excess of 200 and you know, 20 pounds, alleged at the time to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest in the country. And his name was Bingo. And Bingo, Bing, Bing, there's lots of stories about Bingo. It's, it's very well supported in history. He actually had two dogs, spoiler alert. One died in a fire. We've talked about that actually already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, so we'll, we'll chat more about that specific dog in the future. But Bingo was apparently a pretty a crazy, massive, huge dog, and neighbors had problems with the dog going after their dogs. There's mm. actually a, an interesting article in the paper where they had the guy threatened to kill the dog because it kept chasing his dog, and Mets basically had no no control over this massive dog when it you know got in a, a you know crazy mood. But regardless, the dog eventually 
died and was buried, allegedly, somewhere in the grounds of the Villa Catherine. They say Rose Garden, but it's very one of these romantic stories, I think. So allegedly, the ghost of Bingo, the dog, is the haunting entity there at the Villa Catherine. We'll probably get into this more as we go along. Uh, I know there's been paranormal groups that have done public investigations at the Villa Catherine. We, uh, I'm not sure, most people probably know that I was involved pretty heavily. Actually, me and a buddy Drew of mine, uh, Drew, started Grizzleween on KZZK back in 2007. And we kept getting asked, why don't you do the Villa Catherine? Why don't you do the Villa Catherine? I always said, I don't want to investigate a dog. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's very cool, the stories you hear a lot. And, actually, uh, even some of the EVPs, and maybe we'll have the, some of those on the Patreon episode. I know that uh, some of the, like, Rivertown Paranormal and a couple of those groups have had stuff. Right, and now, now defunct, but I, I was had some close dealings with Rivertown Paranormal and in my Q-Town website days, and they were super great people to, to work with. But, yeah, they, they had allegedly captured EVPs that may indicate that, it wasn't just Bingo hanging around down there. Um, yeah, a lot. Some EVPs in German, allegedly. Some potentially of George Metz himself. Who knows? There's there's a huge mystery behind George in, involving that castle, which we'll revisit in the future. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So that's the Villa Catherine in a nutshell. Factor folklore, Travis. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying anything is fact, but I think it's based <laughs> in fact way more than a lot yeah. of stuff. So good point. There's more alleged evidence that supports it being being fact i yeah i would have to agree with that so we move on to our next section and this one man is this our first building this is the first of two buildings actually that don't exist anymore right which is sad but they have such an amazing history behind them that they need to be discussed. The first one, Travis, that we're going to talk about is a little tavern that's on Highway 96 that is towards the Payson area between Quincy and Payson. And it had an appropriate name for the tavern, none other than the Haunted Tavern. Oh, yes. Many, many stories. Tell us more about this for those unanointed, Chris. Let's start with the stories. The yes. things we found. We're going to go to a great Facebook page. It's not very active, but it's always interesting when stuff gets going on there. I highly encourage you guys to check it out. It's called uh, Quincy and Surrounding Area Ghost Stories. It's a great Facebook page, so check it out. But these are some stories that were pulled off of that. I'm going to tell you about the stories, and we'll tell you about the background real quick. So one of the stories that was on there was, says, My mom and dad used to bartend in the Haunted Tavern back in the 90s when I was growing up. And they had lots of stories to go with the haunted of it like pool balls lifting off the table all at once and falling on the concrete oh wow another story says my dad used to work with a man who owned the tavern for a while and he told dad a few stories about glasses and chairs getting moved and stacked up in the bathroom toilets always flushing I've hmm. heard that exact same story growing up about how they would go in and all the chairs would be stacked up and nobody did that when do we know roughly was this up the building's still there when we were kids? or Yes, it was. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Do you have a rough idea when it was torn down? Uh, yeah, it would have been the l uh, mid... I'm Don't quote yeah. me. I, I don't know this for sure, but I think it was around the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. Okay, I was uh, thinking it was it was there at one point, but yeah. Yes. Okay, back to the story. Uh, 
yeah, let me give you one more real quick one. This one says this one didn't have to be, but my grandpa, grandma, excuse me, said when she was a bartender at Haunted Tavern, she was cleaning one night after everyone left. She unplugged the jukebox and moved it to sweep under it. She said it turned on and played an old song that wasn't even on the jukebox. Oh, that's she decided that's at that point in time she was done. <laughs> she no longer worked there. And check, please. Yeah. Yeah, so Travis, I had experience in this place. Really? So I remember going there as a kid with my dad. Uh, sometimes, um, I guess I can't get in trouble anymore. Sometimes dad would be like, do you really want to go to religion school? And I'm like, no, I don't. And so we would go spend <laughs> an hour and a half at Haunted Tavern waiting for religion class to get over with. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, I'm boy. a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Uh, but that place was always scary. I, I, I always had a weird feeling. I remember specifically where the bathrooms were at. And I always, you know, you're, I was a kid. I mean, again, whatever. It was the 90s people. Kids went to bars. Get oh, used to it. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, still do. but yeah, we still do. Yes, yeah. But I remember being a kid sitting at the bar with my dad. And I, I can remember looking at the bathroom area and being like, I do not like that area. Okay. You got the heebie-jeebies you know for some reason. Kids yeah. get a sixth sense on those. Yeah, that's what things. you hear. So, yeah, I have a lot of memories of that. Uh, they're, the foundation is you know, the building's no longer there. They did use some of the foundation for one of the houses that is out there now. Uh, so just to let you know, one of the houses that's there is that. But this all rains, and a lot of people don't realize why the Haunted Tavern was haunted. There Travis, do you go. know the reason why the Haunted Tavern was haunted? I believe it was a scene of a brutal axe murder from the well-known Fanschmidt murders back in the 1890s. Uh it's actually more like 19 early 1900s, okay. so like 1910 okay. time. But yeah, the that was the home of the Fanschmidt family. The house was just a little bit farther behind where Haunted Tavern was at. Uh where the tavern is at was Actually, the Fanschmidt family's apple orchard. They had apples okay. uh, in trees in the front there. and But the house was in the back. Of course, we'll tell you about that in full detail coming up in a future Wild Quincy episode. Because not only was the family murdered by next, but it was also uh, the house was burnt down in the process of that. It's a crazy story about a possible uh, son murdering his family and getting uh, getting released. So, yeah, we'll have that story coming up for you, but uh, know that the origins of the Haunted Tavern are coming from the Fan Schmidt family. Ooh, that's going to be a juicy one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So, uh, again, Travis, we'll do as we always do, fact, folklore. Do you, you don't know enough? Do you know enough? What do you feel? Well, I, you have more experience firsthand. I don't think I've ever been in, I was ever actually in the place when it was around. But, boy, if you look at what, Usually the requirements are for a paranormal activity. Traumatic experiences are pretty high up there, from what I understand. Yeah, and big murder like that in your backyard—that seems that seems on the side of fact. You know, I never really thought about this till now. What if what if the fa- I need to look this up? What if the Fanschmidt family was Baptist and they were very oh. against drinking, and now there is a tavern on their property? Fanschmidt <laughs> would be upset too. Or maybe that could you know? be. It feels like yeah. a good drinking German name, maybe, but yeah, we'll look yeah, into it, maybe. Well, yeah, well, so, uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll take a look at that. It's it's a very interesting story. I'm going to go with fact. I just remember, and it's funny because these next two things, this one and the next one we're going to talk about, I've had personal experiences at as a kid, yeah. and I just now realized that as, as we're doing these. So that is the Haunted Tavern. We'll talk about that more coming up in a future episode of Wild Quincy. But we get to the uh, final 
piece of the puzzle for our On the Road. We head back into Quincy, go off 96, go up to Broadway, and we're going to take a left, and we're going to head down to 14th and Broadway. Mm -hmm. Travis, what would be at 14th and Broadway? A beautiful abandoned field right now. Grassy, but before that... I believe you're talking about St. Mary's Hospital. That is correct. St. Mary's Hospital, a little background for you. It was first built in 1867. 1919 hospital went under a semi-quarantine for the Spanish flu epidemic during uh, world, actually after World War I. 1962, a new hospital building was dedicated. The old hospital was demolished. 1993, St. Mary's was purchased by Blessing Hospital. And then as we all know, in 2018, all the buildings for St. Mary's were demolished. And uh, Travis, the reason I want to talk about this, I'm going to talk about some of the stories. Again, going back to right. that uh, Paranormal Stories of Quincy on Facebook page, because there is a lot of stories that we need to cover. And then I have actually a story of my own. I'm excited to to hear this. Let's let's see what you got. I'm not going to give names, but you can check out these details if you go to the site. Uh, One of the people says, worked there night shift for 12 years uh, and still did. So that tells you how old this is. This is going back almost 10 years that this was posted. He said, don't walk around the third floor by yourself at night. Just saying. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Another person says, don't I don't advise being on the second floor. I've been employed for 17 years there, and it's very creepy. Another second floor story. I came off the elevator. It was about 1130. I heard these footsteps coming down the hall. They were loud like they had hard shoes on. Well, I looked down at the West Wing, and there was nothing there, and the footsteps continued to get closer. Oh, boy. And that was one of them. Yeah. So another story, Travis, is uh, from actually a guy that's told us a couple other ones. But it says, every time I went down on the second floor of the West Wing, strange things happened a few years ago. Adams County Dental Clinic was at that end. I saw the door open and slam on its own, and nobody there, and it was locked. Another night, a guy in white shirt appeared and said, Oh, hell no, I'm seeing things now. So I got out in the hall to get this other lady working there, and she goes to look, and she says that uh, she didn't see anybody. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Actually, you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of these are coming from people that worked there, which that's is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Another one about seeing a door open and slam in the basement. Uh, another story about uh, seeing a green mist in the kitchen about eight years ago and happened two or three times. And at that same time, an ice scooper fell off the ice machine. Okay. And uh, also odd things about a uh, scoop falling off multiple times in that same place. So, yeah, lots of weird stories about St. Mary's. Now, I'm going to tell you I'll tell you one thing that we did. I haven't mentioned this to people before, but uh, so as we knew St. Mary's was closing, you know, I'm, I belong to a paranormal group. Uh, we had Terry Mosby on last season. She is a, a paranormal uh, investigator. She has a paranormal group. There's another person in Quincy that has another paranormal group. So there's like three of us that work the Quincy area. We wanted to investigate St. Mary's. So what we decided, and I, I kind of kind of spearheaded this effort, was we can't say all individual three of us like give like blessing like we would like to investigate this place. So I contacted them, other two people, and I said we need to come together and do a cooperative effort and put a plan together and say let's we want one night to investigate 
St. Mary's Hospital. So Travis, I went through this whole process <laughs> of uh, getting everything put together. I had to pack it. I had to plan. Uh, we had one person had uh, had liability insurance for a million dollars, so our liability was covered. We had I got I got recommendation letters from the Quincy Museum, from WGEM, from all these different places about how we were and that we were professional and that we knew what we were doing and you know it wasn't going to be anything bad. It got presented to the Blessing uh, Hospital Board. They rejected it. Man, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate because St. Mary's, again, it's been, it was around for over a hundred years, 130 years. Uh, it had all these stories about being haunted and it had an opportunity. It literally was going to get torn down. It wasn't going to hurt anybody, but yet we couldn't get in there and investigate. Yeah. It, I mean, I get how it can be a tough sell, I'm sure, but. At the same point, I mean, it's talk about opportunity stake. I mean, oh, how many times do you miss? Yeah, well, true. But how many times do you look at the claims of cemeteries being haunted? Well, where are people actually dying at? Yeah. It's not cemeteries, right. it's hospitals, yeah. it's homes. Yep. So that would have been those are the places that would have been really interesting. It's a, it's too bad that didn't work out. I've also always pondered the idea, and I've done this thought about this with the Fanschmidt House too. Is literally going and sitting in that area and seeing what happens. You, I mean, obviously, it's like what two square blocks that that used to be St. Mary's. Now it's just an open field. So, well, that that's an interesting question. If I can jump in here. Sure. What is your perspective, you know, being more in the folds of paranormal research than a lot of people? If a structure that's haunted is torn down, what does that mean for activity? You know, I don't know. Um, we've never gone down the path of, of visiting a place that is no longer there. But, you know, if I was just a and this is not, I can't put any paranormal experience in relation to what I'm getting ready to say, but I would say it's almost like you dropping a baby bird out of a nest. It's not going to know where to go. Interesting. I, I could see a way that you have these spirits and people, especially when things change so much. I mean, think about this. If you got somebody that was that died in St. Mary's Hospital in 1870, it's say they can freely roam around and go to different locations. Their house isn't going to be there anymore. Right. Chances are pretty good it won't be there right. anymore anyway. You know, where are they going to go? They don't know where they're going to go. Where else are you going to go? You might as well stay at the last place you knew it and stay there. So, I don't know. It's Who knows? Again, it's paranormal. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, anything is possible. I do want to finish with the discussion about my personal experience i was just gonna ask you absolutely and here's the thing i want to i want to bring up too is that these things happened when i was a little kid and i would say little i would say probably both of these events were before i was 10 years old uh, so again you got the idea of kids having that sixth sense and be able to notice things but on the other hand when i was a kid that i just thought i was being scared by something yeah and i didn't process it looking back now 30 some years later it's like oh crap did i have a real paranormal experience when i was a kid and didn't realize it oh okay and this is one of those so my mom was having a uh, gallbladder surgery at saint mary's when i was a little kid and my dad and i went in to visit her and he was in there with the room with her you know it's it's not a big procedure by any means right. but you know he was in the room with her and i was out in the hallway and i was looking down and and if you guys are listening to this and remember saint mary's 
let me know because I, maybe I'm making this up in my mind, but I remember this specifically happening where, you know, like in hospitals, they have every once in a while, I think they have fire doors that kind of prevent fires from happening. So they put these oh, double sure. doors yeah. in certain areas. So it was a double door setup, but the doors, uh, you know, where the walls come out to meet the doors, there was glass in those doors. Yeah. Uh, or in those, not in the doors, but in the walls itself that were in the hallway. There was a weird figure that was hiding, not hiding, was standing behind one of these uh, glass things that was kind of, it, so the glass wasn't real glass, it was like one of those that's like a bathroom glass where you don't really can't really yeah, see through it. Yeah. Anyway, as I was standing there looking at the whatever this was, person or whatever, turned around, like poked their head around and looked at me as I was in the hallway. Ooh. And so then I'm like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden it turned back and then everything disappeared. Wow, that's pretty and crazy. That, that shadow that was in the misty glass gone. Wow, <laughs> I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah, I was you're like, a kid. Well, that was yeah, weird. Absolutely. You know, and looking back, I'm like, holy crap, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm only nine, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the heck? But again, I mean, it's crazy to think you had. I had my own personal experience. When I was young at yeah. this location, do you remember St. Mary's at all, Travis? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Um, yeah, I was pretty young. My 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 dad actually died there from from cancer oh, that's right. in the emergency room. So mm. yeah, I definitely have pretty you know vivid yeah. memories of. But but not only that, but my sister worked in the food services uh, in high school, so I kind of remember a little bit of that area too. So there's there's some foggy memories of there didn't the emergency insurance have like a ramp going up into do you remember yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah i remember that too so anyway st mary's hospital uh, unfortunately never got a chance to really check it out but it has a lot of history a lot of history and plus over 100 years old when it was uh tore down so but that is a look of our on the road road trip for episode one travis we have another episode coming up for you next week as we are going to go back to school in our next episode so we'll I've let got you guys my, my backpack. do you call it a backpack or a book bag book bag book bag my kids and i differ and so they never know what i'm talking about whenever i, <laughs> I tell them to make sure they got it ready so interesting stuff uh, dad you're so old uh well speaking of old there's a lot of old stories and old stories that strangely revolved around the education subject. So I'm excited to get back in there, talk about some more spooky stuff. Let us know if we're missing some big chunks of something in, in Facebook or on the website, wildquincy.com. One other thing that you should be aware of is that we're having a season one compilations disc set that we're going to be selling Tell us a little bit about that, Chris. Yeah, so we have uh, Season 1 coming out. Uh, it's ready for pre-order now. You can go to our Facebook page and check it out. It has all the episodes, including our season review for Season 1. And it's a perfect stocking stuffer for you, so you can go ahead and get that for those uh, technology-inclined or, or challenge, whatever the words. Yeah. Challenge, I guess, would be word a better word. Uh, those people that may have a little bit more of a difficult time trying to find these podcasts. Or if you just want to have your own physical copy. I mean, some cars still have CD players. 
years. They are do come in CDs. They'll be coming in this really cool uh, hard case that we have for you. We originally were going to have it as a CD visor, but um, unfortunately, those were coming out of China and they weren't very good. So we chose <laughs> to do something yes. different. Yeah, so we'll have that coming uh, your way. You can go check that out. Also, a real cool thing we got going on is that you can also, if you decide you want to pay a little extra, you can go ahead and uh, get Season 2 for a discounted price as well. And what we'll do is when Season 2 gets wrapped up, we'll burn those CDs and send them directly to you. So it fits in that nice, pretty case that right. we got for you. And you can uh, have that right for you and send it to somebody that you love or send it to your whole family. Or send it to somebody you hate if you know. I mean, we're open. <laughs> Let's move these things, guys. Go, go either way. <laughs> so go to uh, you can check it out on our Facebook page. We have a, a store on our Facebook page. You can also go to wildquincy.com to get more information on that. So Travis, before we wrap up this trip on the road, are we missing anything else? Wild October rolls on like a steam train, ghost train running through the night, and we'll be back next week. Back to school in the next episode, and we'll be doing that next week so for travis hoffman i'm chris ketters and you've been listening to wild quincy your wild october we'll see you next time take care everybody what an excellent day for an exorcism